Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Housewives, welcome back. Hey, Housewives, we are here, we are here, we are here, and excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We have a special guest for you today, who I just met five minutes ago. (laughs) We have her in studio. We say this all the time. Our greatest gift is being able to meet people that we are just talking to, and it's just, it's so encouraging how just God continues to connect us. So. This is your story, Tori. So I'm going to let you know. introduce her. And do you want to know how God used us to connect us? He made us connect in the passport line at the post <laughs> <Yes>. office <laughs> of all places. So in if you Stanley don't, of all places. Exactly. Exactly. And neither one of us live in Stanley. And so, yeah, it was over spring break. We were getting passports for the girls and we forgot something because there's so much. You can't remember all, all the details. paperwork, right? <laughs> and and so we're standing there and we're waiting. Andrew ran back to the house to grab something. And I happened to see this woman's the back of her jacket and her jacket said empowered women, empower women. And for whatever reason, I was like, hey, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think I have something that you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about something that I and I'll, I'll share that on the podcast here, too, because it's another time. Yeah. But it's definitely an, a resource that I've never mentioned to anybody before, <laughs> period. Like it, it never left my lips before. So for me to talk to her about it was like so out there. And so we exchanged numbers. And before we had left the parking lot, we were texting back and forth and setting up a coffee date. Yeah. And so we did a coffee date and got to know each other. And, and so and so here we are. Yeah. This is just one here part of our story together already. Right. So let me introduce Farah Marvel. Mm-hmm. And and y'all like I when I got home from our coffee date, I was telling my husband, I was like, you won't believe her story. <laughs> like it was just one of those. And yeah. just. Like the glory of God is written all over it. Mm -hmm. And so then I told Tracy, I was like, we've got to talk to her. And there's a couple parts of your story that we're going to talk about. But Mm -hmm. the first one is really talking about how you came to Christ. Yeah. And this is so powerful because if you don't grow up in the church or, you know, I know a lot of adults now, like. Tracy's husband didn't grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. He didn't come to Christ until later in life till you guys were married. Yep. And so I grew up in the church, but like if you didn't grow up in the church, like there's so much out there, right? right. Oh, like yeah, it's yeah. just Especially like, now. yeah, but what we're getting away from, or let me say this, I think people are leaning more and more of, they don't want to force mm-hmm. their religion on their children. Right. Right. 
Like that's, well, I think our children need to make their own decisions. And oh, and they're doing it so well these days. Yes, (laughs) yes. And they're letting them decide things that aren't actually a choice. I'm sorry. (laughs) You don't get to choose. Anyway, I'm not going to say it. Uh, You don't get to choose everything. And so, but that's what I wanted to talk about because I just thought it was so incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of it because I think that that's where the church is failing. Yeah. So without further ado, this is Farrah Marvel and... Mm -hmm. Share a little bit. Yes. So... Try and summarize it and get to the... In 30 minutes. Right. I know. I know. Well, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, obviously a lot of my own story is is tied into my parents' story and without like getting all into the details of their story, because like we talked about, it's a little complicated and weird. You know, I grew up just for reference, background reference, I grew up Muslim. Now what that meant to a Midwest, because I was born and raised here in Kansas City. But my father was an immigrant and from the Middle East. And so the the agreement between my parents was, you know, and this is very traditional in the Middle East, is that whatever the father is, that's what the children are. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, and especially with kind of, you know, very Palestinian, you know, and the Jewish, it's mother, you follow the mother line with the Palestinian and the Arab, it's follow the father line. So my dad was fine with my mom keeping whatever religion she had which was Catholicism, but we were to be raised Muslim. And so that's all I knew. He wasn't a practicing Muslim. I didn't see him go every Friday to mosque and all of those things. He went occasionally, but it wasn't a huge part of our lives. However, there was a Quran prominently displayed in our house. There were Islamic blessings on the walls and things like that, decorative stuff. So, and I think I probably knew the Shahada, like just because, you know, now I don't even know it because what, I think the Holy Spirit just replaced it in my brain. (laughs) But, um, you know, there is no God but Allah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That whole thing. So that those were the only things of Islam that were kind of in our world. And so growing up in Midwest, late 80s, early 90s, you know, you're coming into your teens and whatever. Mm -hmm. You're starting to wonder about your faith. Because, again, I grew up in, you know... Raytown was very Baptist. A lot of my friends went to First Baptist Church of Raytown, just mm-hmm. the biggest one there. And so there was always the question of, hey, you want to come to Sunday school? Or people would be, friends would be talking about what they did in church the day before. Is that me? And they would, you know, turn to me and go, what did you learn? You know, sort yeah, of, yeah, exactly. I'd look at them and go, I'm Muslim. And that would be the end of the conversation because there wasn't a huge Middle Eastern population at that point in time. And so nobody really knew what Muslim was. Right. And let me address the question probably. You don't look Muslim. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You don't. I I don't wear the the hijab. I'm not, you know, in the Nakma and all of that stuff. And your your skin tone is just about as ivory as I am. You know, (laughs) I mean, Irish Catholic mom, you know, like there. So, So we because we do we have a preconceived notion of like what a Muslim looks like. But like, you know, and our kids, I'm sure do, too. Right. Like, that's just what we our media also does that to us. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know, so but so I bet it was kind of like, you're what? Yeah. <laughs> we, in the middle of Raytown. Because I'm like, not, you know, and I did. 
When I was six years old, we did move to the Middle East. So I did have that experience. We lived in the Middle East for a year, almost. My dad had moved us back there and they planned to live there permanently. Didn't work out. He was already Americanized by that point. And he just was like, I cannot handle this place. And so we came back. And during that time, I did go to Islamic school. I was forced to go to Islamic school. And it was not a happy experience, I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had enough exposure to what Islam was, you know, but still had no real opinion of it. So when I started questioning faith and all of those things, it's like I would ask my dad, you know, what what do we believe then? You know, and he would just kind of, you know, say, well, we just don't believe Jesus is, you know, savior and he's a prophet, blah, blah, blah. That was the end of the conversation. Mm hmm. And so, but because he was an unsaved person and the person who he is without getting into that big, long story, my dad had a lot of trauma in his life prior to coming to the United States. And I, like I said, I feel like sometimes he was probably a a narcissist tempered by Jesus later in his life, but he really had no relationship with us. His whole plan was to marry an American so he could stay in the United States and then leave. And that got stumped by my birth. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, and my mom, being the trooper that she is, you know, and also raised Irish Catholic. I was going to say, and Catholic, and Catholics yeah, you don't, don't get divorced. divorced. And you don't get divorced. Muslims don't either, unless there's some other, you know, whatever. They just take on a new wife. <laughs> yeah, <So>. that's <laughs> true. Because I'm thinking about that from my my best friend in high school. His parents, they got divorced much later, but it was like, you... No, yeah. you can be living completely separate lives. As the, yeah, it was a total stalemate between the two of them and my mom. And I think part of it, though, my mom also just was like, I don't want to raise them without and I'll deal with him. I don't. There's just something about two parents in the home. Yes. Let's, scientifically, statistically, all of it's there. Yeah. Yes. Right. A thousand percent. <laughs> and so she was not willing to let go of that. So she did let, let him live his life. And he did. Whether we were there or not, he had a whole other life. So anyway, when I was 15. um, You had a brother. Yeah, I have an older brother. brother. He He is my half brother. Okay. And that, like I said, is a whole other story because my mom's my mom's story is pretty, pretty amazing. But his birth father is Iranian. And so uh, so we both have this Middle Eastern background. But my dad adopted my brother when he was five. And so my dad's been the only dad he's ever known. And so, so can I be funny here and just say, while well, your mom's got a type? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, even better, they're just attracted to her. But I, you know, definitely, I think too, she kind of went, she saw how my dad like bonded with my brother. Yeah. And, you know, she's a single mother. Yeah. In the early 70s, still a stigma. Yeah. Being a single mom. Yeah. Yeah. And going, can I raise this? child on my own, you know, all of these things. So I think she kind of went, yeah, this might work, you know. And so, and my dad did. He loved my brother. And so also the same, you know, Iranians are different than Arabs, but there's still the same kind of culture there. Right. Yeah. So anyway, she just thought, all right. And she already knew the culture because of her prior relationship. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so she wasn't really surprised by who dad was. And lot of things until of course you know get more into marriage and go oh so this is what islam is about (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and the mentality behind how you know men treat their wives and what the expectation of a wife is inside all of that so 
So that's what I grew up with, too. I watched watching my dad and their relationship and my mom trying to navigate this, not growing up in that mentality. Right. And having a completely different understanding of what marriage looks like and that friction mm-hmm. and just, you know, East not meeting West. Yeah. Very easily. So by the time my dad comes around and I'm 15 years old, I'm like, I don't like you much. And we don't really have a relationship. But somewhere along the line, a good friend of his that he trusted and and listened to shared the gospel with him and had the guts to because my dad was a very, a very scary person. Yeah. He, he Intimidating. had some very, very definite opinions about Jews, for one, because he was Palestinian. Mm-hmm. He is Palestinian. And the whole conflict there fueled a lot of his anger. And so going and finding the gospel and then remembering that, oh, Jesus is a Jew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was kind of like, hmm. The weird thing was his dad never, he never spoke about that to us. Like he did not instill that racism in us. He never talked about his past to us. So we had zero understanding of who he was and what he the things he had done as a young man against the Jewish people and all of these things until he wrote his book in 2008. Wow. And my brother and I were like, wow, this explains so much. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, you know, it also explained the complexity of his salvation and kind of explained the route in which God took me on and that journey. Because when he, you know, He had his conversation. There was a definite difference in his life. My mom and I were trying to figure it out. My brother was pretty much like he was, let's see, Ben was like 18 and kind of off doing his own thing. He had graduated from high school and everything was happening with him. And yeah, you know, like he was he was in his own world. Right. But here my mom and I are watching him and going, what is going on? Because he would like read this book. We knew it was a Bible. My mom knew it was a Bible, but she wasn't really telling me anything. And I had never seen my dad read anything in my life um, because of his the language barrier. Okay, he didn't comprehend yeah. very well. Literally, I had never seen him read a book ever, and so here he is sitting at our dining room table with this big book with gold, you know, on the edges and yeah, the golden with a leaf highlighter it, yeah. in his hand, and he's just going crazy on this thing. And then he would like slam it shut and go up to their room and start mumbling. I'd hear mumbling and murmuring behind the door and crying. And I mean, he was warring with God, oh, like wow. warring with God. Wow. And But I knew that there was definitely a spirit difference in our house. Like there was almost like this lifting of darkness that had happened. Because when he came, like in that same week, like he came home one day and he started taking off the walls, all of the Islamic blessings. I mean, like he put it in a box and threw it away. He cleansed the house. Wow. Things that we were just going, what are you doing? You know, sort of. Right. And you don't dare ask. No. Because you're not going to, that's not a battle you want to pick. No. Yeah. And so, and that following Sunday, he walks in at 6 a.m. in the morning. And like our whole life was because Sundays were his day not to work because he worked in the restaurant business all my life. And so Sundays, Sundays and Mondays were his days off. And Sundays were his day. So we would wake up leisurely and then he would pick the movie that we would go see that day and we'd go have Chinese. That was our church for Sundays. And so, you know, so we slept in, did all the things. So when he flips on the light at like 6 a.m. in my bedroom and says, get up, we're going to church. I was just like, 
I'm sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. That word, what? And so my mind, though, I'm thinking we're going to Catholic church. Like we're just going to be heading up the road to my grandmother's church or something. And I thought, which in the meantime, you have you have had experience in the church, like holidays and things. Yeah, exactly. And so like I'm thinking we're going to mass. Right. And. So I I was like, okay, how am I supposed to dress like dressed up all the things? Right. Yeah. So then, like, we proceed to drive from Blue Springs to North Kansas City. So, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. And I'm going, where are we going? And then we pull into the parking lot of a bank. And I'm going, this is not a church. And we proceed to go into the building and into the basement. And we enter this room. And there's lawn chairs set up. There's a set of drums and guitars and people who are like jeans, T-shirts, whatever. Like we we walked in dressed to the nines and everybody <laughs> else is in like flip flops and jeans. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, what's going on? You know, by this point, I'm 15 and I've got some definite ideas about life, you know, because 15 year olds do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the whole service kind of starts and they kind of usher us off to the youth group. Right. Um, Sunday school. And the first the youth pastors literally look like they just walked out of a Bon Jovi concert. <laughs> um, How like, funny. The big hair, because let me set the stage. This is 1993. Yes. So they are like big, fat Petra fans. Yes, right? they remember are. Petra? Yes, I remember Petra. So, big hair. Like Susie's got some hair. She's covered, covered in jewelry because she's a jeweler has been for many years and she's really good at it, but she's covered in jewelry. And her husband is like these two people, you would never walk into a room and think these two people were married ever because they are like night and day different. But so Stan is in like a t-shirt and ripped up jeans. And he is like, he proceeds to start talking about how um, evolution and creation, like evolution is nuts and creation is this, that I'm just going, what are we doing here? You know, sort of. Yeah. And so then like I, after church, I got to know them a little bit better. But so that ended and I was like, what did I just walk into? And then we regular service starts and the pastor gets behind the drums and, and I literally I'm standing there going, he has walked us into a cult. This is what we are. We're in a cult. This I, is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. I can coming from the Catholic church, like the only experience of church you have is right. Catholic. Right. Right. And then to come into the, this is, this is heaven's gate. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to ask right. you to sign over all of your, uh, your. It was crazy. And, but come to find out later, they were there because they were still waiting. Like they had bought a piece of land and they were going to build, build their, on it. Yeah. 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 And in the pastor actually had been sent out from another church. And so this is um, a church plant. Yes. And yeah. so, of course, you know, you don't know that stuff walking in when you've had no, no experience. Yeah. Right? And so my dad is like, if there's a church meeting happening, we're going. And if you're home, you're coming too. you know, sort of a deal. If you don't have some other prior engagement that I'm OK with you yeah. not coming with us, you're going. Yeah. So literally, like we were driving from Blue Springs to North Kansas City at least four nights a week. And for church twice on Sundays, Sunday morning and, and Sunday, Sunday nights. Night. Yeah. And sometimes we wouldn't even come home. Like the pastor would be like, just come on over and hang out because I know you got to drive. So I would go over to Stan and Susie's house. 
and stay there and because they were only like blocks away from each other. Hmm. And so, you know, I mean, this was our this was my dad. And at that point in time too, like God was on my dad's tail. And he was actually I want to say he was on our entire family because my mom grew up Catholic, but she was also a little bit more involved in Catholic church. So like they would have their youth meetings. And so my mom would play guitar and they would do some like worship music. And so she had a little bit more of an open mind about because this church was Pentecostal charismatic, too. Like we're looking at AOG. They wow. Were AOG. AOG roots. Right. So that was another thing because I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? But it wasn't so weird to me, like, especially like with the speaking in tongues and things like that, because, of course, my dad spoke a different language. So it wasn't weird. To right. Me. That's not like, making. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. You know, sort of a deal. In the meantime, my brother, on the other hand, my brother had given his life to the Lord four months prior to my, to my dad doing it and was hiding it from us and went, had given his life to the Lord at Graceway Church, which was KCBT at the time. So. And what did your brother, we talked about this earlier. What did your brother give you? He gave, he gave me a Bible, a King James Bible for Christmas before my dad had given his life to the Lord. And I literally was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like if he finds this on me, I could get beat, you know, like yeah. he's just like, and it had like gold, my name on it, all oh. the things. And I'm like, oh. and, but he had never told us that he had gotten saved. And so yeah. I'm just going, what are you doing? Like this is and weird. It, so I and, buried it in the back of my closet. But didn't your brother tell you something? Because Did, uh, didn't you tell me he said he's like, just you're going to need this. You're going to need it. Yeah. He was like, because his he literally went to his pastor and he's like, look, I don't know what to do. Like my dad is Muslim. You, you know, my dad is my dad. And he was like, go home. This is what his pastor said. Go home and love your father like you've never loved him before. And we will pray. Like he didn't tell him to go home and preach the gospel to mm-hmm. him and tell him that yep. he got saved and did anything. Just go home and love him. Yep. Love him differently than what he has seen from you and let him see the difference in you. And that's what he did. And so when I got that Bible, I was like, I'm burying it in the back. But your brother wasn't the one who brought Mm -mm. your dad to the Lord. No, but they were praying. His church was praying. Wow. And what had happened was, is that this guy that my dad had been friends with for years and was his like running buddy, they did all the things. My dad was never faithful to my mom in their marriage, all of those things. And he was the guy that was there to egg it all on, right? So then my dad, they kind of lost contact for a while and then they found each other again. But when they found each other again, this guy had married the woman he had been living with, was no longer drinking. There were so many different things in his life that had completely changed. And my dad was curious. And one night, and one of the things my dad said is he had this light about him he had never seen before. And so one night he just went to Charlie and said, like, what is going on? And so Charlie was like, now's not the time. We'll talk about it later but it's going to be fine. He's like, no, I got to know. And he's like, don't worry, Tess. I got connections. Just like, let's do this, you know, sort of a deal later. And that's when he had picked him up and they went off to have their little conversation. And that's when Jesus met him. Okay. So, all right. So let's, because here's- I know we're kind of bouncing around. We are, but but I think that it's important to like, 
you don't like your dad. Mm-mm. He comes to you and says, we're going to church. Yeah. The only church you've ever had experience with is Catholic mass, which mm. up, down, up, down, repeat right. after me. Everybody says things and you're like, wait a minute. How I, did, I didn't get the memo. Right. Where's the note? I <laughs> need the, where are the lyrics? I, where you're like, is this where we say also with you? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. So you have no... No idea. This is completely foreign. Foreign. You know, you're almost at the point where you're like, I'm not going to drink anything that you guys give me just in case it's the Kool-Aid. And then your brother gives you a Bible for Christmas and then says nothing else to you about it. Just says, you're going to need this. Yep. And then your dad has got you going to church every single chance that the doors are open. Every time the doors are open. So then and these youth pastors, you fall in love with these youth pastors. Yeah. Because they, their genuineness, I heard Susie's testimony, she had a background of addiction and had a background like just bad stuff. And so she got clean, went to a Bible study. Her husband was an alcoholic atheist, somehow found his way to the same Bible study. Both gave their lives to the Lord and then found each other. That's That's incredible. Yeah. But you were saying too that like, these youth pastors were so instrumental in you coming to faith. Yes. Because they lived their life yeah, on Sundays and in the real world, and you saw it in the real world. Yep. Like, they were very, very, very open about their entire faith, like their life, everything. I would go with Susie even to her job. She's actually been a jeweler with Marodis for years and years and years, like 20 mm-hmm. some odd years. But she would take me when they were still in North Kansas City. She would, you know, have to go pick up something or whatever. And I'd be there waiting for her. And every last person in that place, like she would either invite them to church on Sunday, even if even if she knew that they were going to say no, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But they all knew and they also all knew Susie's line. She was not going to work on Sunday and she was not going to work Wednesday night. And because those were the church nights and yeah. it is still that way to this day. And, and they know that and yeah. it was just like, it was very interesting to see somebody that consistent and that genuine. Yeah. You know, especially when as teenagers, when, you know, and parenting is hard and being consistent is hard, but it is good to see another adult who lives their faith out loud consistently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, consistency is huge with teenagers because they just want something that's real. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think sometimes, too, like they and they were very real, like they didn't hide their mess either. They didn't hide their crazy. They didn't hide their mess. If they were struggling with the Lord, they were talking about it out loud. If they were praying over something because it was just they were just, you know, walking through, they were out loud about it. Yeah. And I think for me, what that built in me was an overcoming spirit, you know, and dealing because it wasn't perfect. They were never perfect about walking anything out, but they weren't hiding it and trying to look like they had it all together all the time. Right. You know, and that was huge. And I think sometimes is, you know, I my my kids are little. And so, you know, we're still in that phase of the wide eyed wonder. Teenagers is totally different. You know, you're walking into a jaded teenager. Right. The best you've got is your genuineness and to be real with your kids to say, it's not easy. Following the Lord is not easy. It's not popular. And sometimes I'm not good at it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a 
we need to keep going. Yeah. You know? And I think that was what they were they were like to me. You know, yeah, and because my parents were figuring it out, they were new believers. They I was going to say they were out, they were out. baby baby believers. Yeah, so it wasn't fair to sit there and look at my dad and go, "Oh, so now you're a Christian, and today you're yelling at me and you know throwing dishes at the wall because he was a very violent person." But so he didn't change overnight, you know. Right. He didn't like get Jesus, and all of a sudden it was like he became the most amazing husband on the face of the earth. And Dad, no, that did not happen. Yeah. But, you know, I had a healthy fear of him. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm not saying no to church because I don't want to deal with what could come. Right. But my mom was the same way, but she was not a scary person. My mom was like, look, this is for your good. This is for the good of our family. Like, let's do this as a family and figure this out together. Yeah. Sort of a deal. And I think that was a key, too, for them was it wasn't about their faith and me being strung along with it. It was about us as a family, you know, we as a family are figuring out our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if we treat it more that way, rather than, you know, that's what I've seen too in a lot of teenagers, because uh, I have three older nieces. My brother has three daughters and they're all, last one's graduating high school. And, you know, they are PKs. And so, and that one thing that I think my brother did really well was he never made them feel like they had to keep up appearances because they were PKs. He let them do their their crazy. Yeah. And gave them the space to do their crazy. But he still had a healthy, like, but we are a family that believes in God. We are a family that serves the Lord. And you're going to do this with us. Whether right. you agree or not, but we're, this is what we're going to do. See, and I think that that's like, and and... Tracy and I have talked about it like this stage in life. I mean, Tracy's got a kid driving now. Gosh, doesn't feel weird just in space. Sorry about that. Distance. I know. Twisting that. Anyways, but it's like for Andrew and I, we're currently at a church and we, this church is close, which is great. Mm-hmm. But our kids are excited to go to church. They go, awesome. they go to Christian school and while it doesn't check all of the the wants and wish list of Andrew and I of what we would want from a church, mm-hmm. we know for this stage of life, like, I want my kids to be excited to go to church. Mm-hmm. I want them to wake up Sunday expectantly of going, all right, let's go. It's this, not, yeah. you know, it's not a battle. And, you know, talking about like, I grew up in the church when I could drive I was the kid that was like, okay, well, I'm not connecting with your church, mom and dad. I want to go find my own church. And so I went and found a Methodist church that I sat in and I would bring my other friends to and I would drive to this Methodist church while my parents were at the Baptist church right around the corner, like from my house. And Mm -hmm. but I was going to church. Right. I just was like, this is I want to try this one. Right. And figuring it out, right? right? And then when I moved out of my parents' house two weeks after I graduated uh, high school, living on my own in an apartment, and there was a point where money was getting tight with my job in school. And so I threw the idea back at my parents and said, hey, okay, I've been living on my own for six months now, you know, and I'm going to have to need... I'm." You know, I'm thinking of either moving or, but what if I move back into the house? And my mom set very clear boundaries and said, sure, you're more than welcome to do that. Just know that one, 
your room will not be the same. It will look exactly like it is now. You won't be able to change anything because it's my house, my roles now. And I'm like, All right, fair. Okay. Next was you're going to be home at this time if you're not working at the, the restaurant at nights. Okay. Fair enough. And you're going to go to church every Sunday morning. And I said, that. And so I decided that she was allowed to make those rules. And I went and lived in the hood. Um, <laughs> found a cheaper rent. I, yeah, I found a cheaper rent. But I was very clear on what mom's rules were. Mm-hmm. Her rules, my parents' house, their rules, their way. And right. fair enough. Like, it wasn't like I was going to move in and be like, oh, well, I'll show them. I'm not going to church. Because I knew my parents would drag my butt out of, if they had to buy my feet to get in that car yeah. for church. But that's what you experienced. You were going to church. But yeah. that's because I had a healthy fear of my parents. Yeah, so did, did I. Right. Yeah. But I think so many parents nowadays are fearful of, well, I, you know, Billy doesn't really like to go to church and yeah. I don't want to make him because I'm afraid he's he's going to end up hating God. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. this fear of rejection, of, of rejecting it because, you know, they're forced to. And I'm, I, I think there's a difference between putting the boundary of you're going to come with us and there's a difference between you're going to come with us and you're going to believe what we believe. Yeah. Like, there's a line there That's of a good going, point. Yeah. you know, setting that boundary and saying, this is the rules of our house. You don't have to take on because, you know, they have to make it their own. Yeah. Their faith al- has to be their own. I also think, though, one of the issues is that, you know, people want their kids to go to church. They want to go to church every Sunday. And that's the check box. Right. Right. Versus <laughs> like. It's what we believe, what our faith is to our family every day of the week yes. and at home. And if you are praying with your kids and if you are reading the Bible and if you are doing the things at home, Sunday isn't so scary to go to church. No. It's not such a pressure to go to church. It's a part of your family and it's a part of your life. Right. Now, I know not everybody has that situation. You know, they haven't as adults. There's a lot of adults that are going, OK, this world is a little crazy. I kind of feel like I should know God or something. Right. Look, there's, right. there's right. a lot of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So the parents are feeling very overwhelmed. And they want to go to church, but they've never been in church. Their kids have never been in church. And so I do think that, you know, there is more of that pressure at, at that level versus mm-hmm. those of us that are walking with the Lord, praying with our kids. And it's it's a part of their life. Yeah. So I think, you know, your experience is very cool and we need to tap more into like your specific story. But for those that aren't in the church right now, like there are a, a lot of things that you can do with your kids without that, like, let's just jump into church on a Sunday. Right. Yeah. Go to go to a believer's house on a Friday night and have pizza and just have a conversation. Let your kids engage with other Christian kids and have some conversations. Like there's a lot that you can do, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like you were saying with the couple, the youth group couple Mm -hmm. that just led you and took you grocery shop and did things like it's okay to do life together. And if you don't know where to start with that, ask Tori and I. (laughs) You know, we can we can help any of you. Right. And and churches are so great now that there's a freaking welcome booth when you walk in the door. Right. I mean, I don't remember those. And yeah, the, cafes, those. the coffee, pl- coffee spots yeah, in the like, church. Like, in the church. And like, you know, yeah. and it's just a matter of like, they, more than anything, they want to make you feel comfortable. Right. And because, I mean, it's not dressing to the nines anymore. Nope. You know, it's no. the cutoff, you know, well, shorts or whatever. I mean, my it, husband said today or on Sunday when we were heading out, he goes, you look so pretty, even in your yoga pants. Uh, that's <laughs> nice. Like, and he goes, wait, the caveat, I should have I held that. Like, I should have held that last part. Just yeah, you look really so pretty. pretty. 
Period. What it was, it was just one of those Sundays we were headed to soccer afterwards, and some Sundays we dress up, but majority, I'm like, no, kids, you can wear your, you know, sports t-shirt and shorts. Like it's not. It's just that we're showing up. It's that we're going together. Right. (laughs) And um, yeah, and that's it. Like I think, and too, and and that open and honest. Like, because one of the things that we've had to do with our girls is church shop. Mm-hmm. When we moved mm-hmm. here, yeah. like, yep, that's a, that is a tough thing it is. to say. Cause, and it's not a quick process Mm-mm. because Mm-mm. if you have to wait every Sunday to try out the church, all yeah. of a sudden you're like six months in and you're like, so I haven't found the place. Cause you, d- you can't go just once. No. Like, there should be a whole, I should do an episode on, you and I should do an episode we on could, church shopping. We went to seven. Yeah. And we <laughs> went to seven too. And and honestly, and since we've moved here, we've switched churches, too. Yeah. There's there's certain times when you're like, wait a second, culturally, all this stuff is going on. And wait a second, do I still believe what my pastor believes or what my yeah. pastor is pre- like? Right. That's that's yeah. a process, too. But like church shopping and going to a church, you got to find the the place that you feel comfortable in your mm-hmm. kids love. Right. You know, and you're feeling like you can contribute, but also that you're being fed too. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, is like I tell people like certain churches are for certain seasons of your faith. Yeah. Like because sometimes there are churches that are seeker friendly and that and really most of what they're going to do is gospel mm-hmm. and because they're expecting, you know, people walking in to just trying to find the truth. Yeah. Right. Now, if you've if you're a veteran Christian and been in the Lord for, you know, walking and seeking that's going to be real shallow to you. Right. And very like, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so unless you're in that season of life where you feel called to be a part of that seeker friendly church to disciple people who are seekers. Yes. It's you have to find your ministry in yes. that. Mm-hmm. But then there are others, other churches that are like, you know, oh, man, every every Sunday feels like you're getting, you know, fire hydrant, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just loving it because. Yeah. It's theology. Just, it's theology. Deep, yeah. 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 Like we're going deeper. Right. You know, and so and it's not always what you get out of the church. No. Right. It's sometimes you're in a season of, okay, what can I give to the church? What what gift can I share with this Mm -hmm. church? And, you know, your God is going to be faithful in that, too. Like you may feel like you said that seeker church, you may just need to be a greeter at that seeker. So the every sermon is not going to, you know, fill you with fire. Right. You know, you may be getting that online. Exactly. Or, or and that's pot- the beauty of what we have now. Like, I you know, know, you can you can go, I can serve in this church and I love the culture of this church and the people. And but yet my, you know, theological and spiritual feeding comes from watching this church that's like in Hawaii. Yeah. You know, because that pastor preaches a way that speaks to me. Right. Because you've got preachers, you got teachers, you got expository, you got different approaches. Yes. And we all learn differently. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know. Because I know, like, for my husband and I, we'll walk out of church one day and he'll be like, yeah, and I'm like, what, what do you mean? That oh, yeah. was just like, whoa. You know, yeah. and he's yeah. like, I just, uh, you know, I'm like, it's because we learn differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. so he, he'll take what he's heard and then go be like, okay, well, I've got some of the scripture and some of the concepts. So I'm going to go find, he, he searches YouTube and finds another pastor on the same sort of subject matter that he feels does a deeper dive or is explains it a little bit better to him. Yeah. I don't know. But that's the beauty of what we have now. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we have the ability to feed ourselves mm-hmm. and pursue God in a way that is unique to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we don't have to stay within that 
And it's just, you know, I think too, with the um, parents and dealing with like, even in, I mean, honestly, my brother struggled, my oldest niece struggled with church and she grew up in it. I mean, she was, everybody in that church knew May, mm-hmm. you know, and she was always there. But once she got to her teenage years, it was just like, it was a struggle. Yeah. And they did. They did have to put their foot down and say, yeah, you're seeking out what you're going to seek out. But we as a family, this is what we do. And this is where we go. Yeah. You know, and like I said, my brother never put that boundary on her that said, and you're going to have to believe the way we believe. He just said, this is what we do. And this is where we go. Because otherwise, you're you're when you're forcing that one idea, you give no room for the Holy Spirit to move in your child's life. Right. And right. so, you know, so then they just they put the their hands over their ears mm-hmm. and they're not hearing anything when yeah. they're in there. But if you just say, I just want your behind in that chair. Yep. That's mm-hmm. all I care about. You you work it out with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's the, really what it needs to be. You absolutely. work it out with him. Well, and, good. and we have that. We're not anybody's Holy Spirit. And sometimes mm-hmm. as parents, we either freak out if we're putting them in that the church pew that mm-hmm. we're trying to be their Holy Spirit. And when I'm like, no, I'm just the Uber driver. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> exactly. all I, that's all I am. My I'm responsibility not... is to put them in the right place at the right time. Yep. Yeah. As a parent. Right. Yeah. That's good. It's not you to dive, be everything. Will you kind of go back and dive into when you actually, I mean, started walking with the yes, Lord? Yes, that, yes, yes. Obviously, that's where we're getting to. And then all these pieces of the puzzle come together. Yeah. But. It took me, it, the interesting thing was, is it took me a year long journey. And this is where this was important because my parents knew I think in their wisdom, my dad was so caught up in his own figuring things out. I mean, there was just so many layers of the onion sure. of his journey because of the whole Jewish and Middle East Palestine. He's been told all of his life that the Palestinians, you know, this is his land and all of this. And here he's reading Genesis and walking through Exodus and going, mm-hmm. what do you mean this is the promised land of the Jews? You know, right. sort of Because he's been told something different. So he was all in his own world right. of figuring out his whole entire life journey. Yeah. My mom had the wisdom to just kind of go, you're not hearing me because you're just kind of mad at me at the moment. Because I I felt like she had had like joined the other side. You know, she and I, because of who he was and all of the issues in their marriage and things like that, I, she will honestly say we had a codependent bond. And so when that all happened and she actually got her her understanding of who she should be as a wife and a mother and all of those things. And she was trying to serve my dad properly. I went, what? Yeah. You know, we like, were on the same page. Yeah. We, didn't, we are not on the same team anymore. Yeah. And I was very angry with her. And and it was like 45 days after my dad gave his life to the Lord that my mom, I say, completed her faith because I knew my mom had a faith, even though she was walking in the Catholicism. And I would hear my mom praying because of all of the problems that were happening in our lives. I mean, we literally were about to implode at, at when Jesus walked into our home. Mm-hmm. So, but I would hear her praying. So I knew she had a faith of some sort. I just think she was unfamiliar with the understanding of second birth, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's not something that's taught. Right, right. And so it was kind of like she went, okay. This is what I need. And so she completed her faith, basically. And so I just went, good for you. I'm going to Islam. (laughs) So I decided I was going to go further in and find out what is Islam, what we do believe, 
Because one of the things and the tricky parts of being a Muslim converting to Christianity, I did know my dad had just made a decision for even our own lives that would basically break off any kind of relationship I had with my family back in the Middle East. Because, of course, you know, he's now an infidel. Right. So, but I didn't know how much of that they would put on me because knowing, you know, he's responsible. So, you know, maybe they look at him as being that why I converted and they just kind of forgive me because I didn't have control over it. Right. You know, yeah. Sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. So in my mind, I'm going, okay, well, I need to make this decision for me and decide if I'm willing to possibly walk through being disowned by the rest of our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of a deal. Family that I barely knew that I wanted to know. Right. Because they were all in the Middle East. So, you know, Sunday after Sunday, youth group after youth group, I'm coming back and going, so Islam says blah, 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 blah. And my youth pastors are like, we don't know anything about that, but here's what we do now. You know, so they, they literally never, and this is what I credit them for, Stan never pulled out the Quran and tried to argue Christianity and and Islam. He was like, I just don't know what that means, but I do know this. And he never, he always brought truth back. You know, like, I always tell people, don't argue with Muslims. It's not. You need to show the difference. Don't, don't do that. (laughs) You're not going to get anywhere. Really, you're just not. So, and they didn't, they didn't argue with me even though I tried to, and I tried to get them to engage because I wanted to trip them up on something. Right. It never worked. But then I also, and of course, you know, this is 1993. So we didn't have Google and all of those things. I had my high school library. So I'm starting to research the life of Muhammad. Who was this guy? You know, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And some things are not adding up, you know, and I'm starting to get more and more into Islam. And then I'm, at that point, I've got an, a Quran in English and it's not making a whole lot of sense and things in there that I really don't appreciate as a female. And so I finally, but probably by the end of that whole journey, I was agnostic at best. You know, mm-hmm. I've kind of went, Islam is not my thing. I yeah. can't, I can't serve this. This is not, this makes no sense. And so by that point, at the same time, my youth pastors are just loving and loving and loving and accepting and doing all the things and growing in relationship. And then at one point, Susie, and this whole time I was not reading the Bible. I knew enough sitting in that church on Sundays that there was something different about that book and it was powerful and it was real, but I was not going to touch it. (laughs) So finally, she pulls the honor shame card with me and says, you love me, right? Yes, I do. And you respect me as your your, uh, elder? Yes, I do. Just read the book of John for me. Please just read the book of John. And so I thought, okay, fine. So I dug the Bible out of the the closet and opened up to the, and it was one of those Bibles that was the um, red letters. Jesus in the red letters. Oh, yeah. yeah, those are good. Yeah. And and I was one of those brainy kids that read most of Shakespeare by the time I was in fifth grade. So King James did not bother me whatsoever. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, we're doing this. And so in my bedroom, I opened it up and started reading the book of John. And literally, Jesus just became real off the page. And I always tell people I found Jesus in the red letters because it was just like this love that I did not find in the Quran. Yeah. There's n- over... 
There are 99 names for God in the Quran, and not one of them is Father, and not one of them is love. And Jesus says he is love. love. And it was just like, I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew that I knew that I knew that this was truth, and this was real. And But I still fought because this was my dad's religion. Oh, yeah. And you don't so, want dad. You can't make dad yeah. right. So we were, we were at a youth group uh, conference in St. Joe. And that's, if you're old enough to remember, I don't think you guys are, but Acquire the Fire. It was a big movement at that time. Guy's name was Ron Luce. He was like super charismatic, but he was like, enti- like just super like you just could not listen to the guy he had. He was good, you know. And we're at this conference in this arena and I'm sitting and he has the altar call and Susie's sitting next to me and she looks at me and goes, Farah, it's time to poop or get off the pot. Literally, that's what she tells me. <laughs> very, very plain speaking. Funny. Yeah, yeah. I love that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> time when she would say that and uh, it's time to poop or get off the pot. And so I was just like, do I have to go up there? You know, and she's like, now we can pray. And so she prayed with me right then and there. And I was so excited. It was like, it was just this lifting of a burden. Oh, yeah. This total burden of, now I would, you know, that's a whole other story for another day. And I'd love to say, you know, I totally forgave my dad in that moment. And we had a great relationship from then on, but it took me 35 years to get rid of that bitterness. So, but, you know, God and his faithfulness throughout that entire walk you know, has shown me his goodness. And it's been like, I would say, I I think there was probably about, I was like 19 where there was a little bit of a crisis of faith. I'd graduated from high school. I didn't know where I was going. And I was just kind of like, I know you're real. I know this, but I just don't, I want me, you know, like I want my flesh, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'd gotten in with a a group of, I would say, um, Sunday Christians, I guess you could say. There was a bunch of, like we were, they were, freshman in college and, you know, partying Saturday night and showing up to church on Sunday with mm-hmm. a hangover yeah. Yeah. sort of a deal and yeah. that kind of group, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, it's been just full on loving the Lord. I've been in ministry since I was 19. Like after that kind of weird phase, we moved into a ministry that was dedicated to ministering to men and women with drug and alcohol addiction. And my my dad's friend who led him to the Lord, started this ministry and asked my dad to become sort of like the food and beverage director of the of the ministry to help these people learn skill. Mm-hmm. And so he created two restaurants so that they could get out of rehab and get a job so they could pay the restitution and do things. Wow. Oh, that's cool. And so, and it still exists today. It's kind of like, it's very reminiscent of Teen Challenge. I don't know if you are familiar with Teen Challenge, yeah. but that's kind of the mentality of being able to give them some hope because a lot yeah. of people... They get out of jail and they've got all this restitution to pay. They have no job, they have no skills. And so they just go back into addiction. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and then it just becomes this evil cycle. And so that's where we, that was our first launch into ministry. Yeah. And the part that I played in all of that, I did a lot of administrative work in just different, different parts of it. But so I've been in ministry and then eventually my dad felt called back to the Middle East and I helped them. For a while, I was just here helping them keep track of funding and all of that stuff. And then eventually, I started traveling with them overseas and doing more and more work there. And of course, it's a closed Islamic area, so you can't preach Jesus. You can only be Jesus. And so that was our model was 
serving the community in humanitarian ways and be Jesus. And so we created a kindergarten and we took the principles of Chick-fil-A. They have oh, like a cur- curriculum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We took the Chick-fil-A curriculum and used it in our kindergarten oh. and teaching biblical principle without preaching Jesus. Jesus. That's cool. And um, so now it's like known as the number one kindergarten in the West Bank because of just what the principles of life that are being taught over there. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's been a wild ride, but I just look back and go, yeah, if it hadn't been those two people and their persistence mm-hmm. to just love unconditionally and, and what do I want to say, long suffering yeah. through my crazy teens. Perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance and just, you know, being challenging though. They were unashamed of their faith and they challenged me in the sense of, you know, if I made statements or whatever, they would question. They never disagreed with me or tried to sway me to their side. They would just ask questions. Really? What? How do you see that? Like, how does that play out, Farah? Or, you know, they I just love that because that's what teenagers need. Yeah, just teenagers question. need to engage. Mm-hmm. They need to know that you're asking questions and that you care. Yeah. It, it also makes them think through and go, yeah, that does sound stupid. Yeah. Yep. Versus <laughs> yeah. you saying them coming, that doesn't giving, sound right. yeah. <laughs> that does them sound. coming to their own conclusions. Yes. You know, yep. and that's really what they gave me in that year was me coming to my own conclusion of Islam is not the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the truth. Right. You know, and I, I, I just think that's a huge part of it is giving your kids. Yes. Get their butt in that seat. Yeah. But give them the space to figure it out themselves. And yeah. You know. That's the Holy Spirit's job anyways. Yep. Yep. Like quit trying to take his job. And don't be freaked out. Like I and like I said, I, I credit my brother for not ever putting that pressure on I now they might have felt that pressure themselves just because that's kind of the status quo of sure. you know yeah, preacher's pa- kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't I never saw my brother or sister in law putting that pressure on them to not make their mistakes and not you know, have the space to be teenagers and do the dumb things and mm-hmm. not ever feel like they were putting shame on the family name. Right. Yeah. You know, well, I like the mentality and right before we wrap up here, but like the mentality of is like, this is what we do as a family. Mm-hmm. Like we're a family unit. Like we yeah. talk about being a family team. We all have jobs and responsibilities and we're a family team. And this is what we do as a family. And it's not you know, my kids may wander away. I'm like, that's fine. I was like, but know that on Sunday morning, this team shows up on church and you're part of that team. Mm -hmm. So you have a role to play. And so, but giving them that space and that way they, they know that they can do that. But being open and having the conversations of saying, you know, okay, fine. You didn't agree with the pastor this morning. Why not? What is it? Yeah. Maybe you got something to show me. Maybe you got something out of it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to, you know, there's a difference between like letting them make their own decisions and putting that responsibility of adulthood on a 15 year old is not okay. But there's the guidance, the guiding them into adulthood. That's what that is, is going, yeah, these are the boundaries, but here's where you can work within those boundaries to find your way. Right. And that's I think that's the most important. It's like I'm learning that with just even toddlers, like mm-hmm. not being the helicopter parent, you yeah. know, and and trying to bubble them from everything. And it's hard because you see your child and you want to protect them from everything mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And oh, yeah. so, you know, 
but you guys know better than I do. It's it's different, you know, like I'm going, huh, I will be 46 this year and I have five-year-olds and four-year-olds, uh, five-year-old and four-year-olds, you know, so it's a different way of parenting. So, yeah, well, I love it. I think Jesus, we know, is incredible and what he has done in your life and in your family's life and all of ours, like just for those listeners, just keep chasing him mm-hmm. and yeah. let him into your life because yeah. it truly is the space where you can find joy and peace and mm-hmm. comfort and hope. And yeah, yeah. Everybody needs Jesus. Yep. Preach. <laughs> yep. And with that, housewives, we're going to close out this episode and we will see you next week. See you next week. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. And be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.